Welcome back to Enlighten Up for episode 37, Alternative Health versus Big Pharma, Money Talks, and the Intuitive Body. You've got all four of us today having a very friendly conversation about health and its relation to spirituality. We're going to talk about the difference between Eastern and Western philosophies. Does the government truly have our health interests at heart? And what about conspiracies? Is there a bigger reason to them? And what about money when it comes to the mainstream media? Should we truly be listening to them or do they have something valuable to tell us? Later on in the episode, we're going to talk about value systems, integrity, and our body intuitive alignment. Does our body have an intuition that can help us discern our health before it gets too late? And of course, before we end things off, we're going to talk about food and the vibration of our body and how foods and certain diet changes can raise our vibrations. We look forward to sharing all this information with you today. So let's jump right into the episode and hear what all four of us had to say. Welcome back to Enlighten Up, everyone. I am here with Lisa, Michael, and Brian, and you have just the lovely four of us today. We're going to talk a little bit about the alternative health industry and why some of us started to take a different path from westernized medicine and started to explore the aspects of Eastern medicine and why we did that and what some of the results have been Uh, Have they been positive? Have they been negative? We're going to talk about it. And we're going to talk about how health relates to spirituality and why it becomes such a topic of interest when we start to awaken our minds and our souls and start to take deeper looks into ourselves. So um, how are you three doing today? Great. I'm doing great. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Michael. (laughs) Since you're always so chipper, let's (laughs) let you start the show off today. Um, How do you feel? How did you? Okay, let's 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 bring it back to when you were younger. What were your uh, what was your perspective on health and wellness and medicine versus how you have a perspective of it today? Like, has it been the same or has it changed? No, it's changed completely. And I have many theories not theories. I, I feel like we were duped when we were young. And Nicole, you and I are the same age. So like, <clears throat> you might have remembered. Uh, and actually, most of us probably are within the, the age range where they talked a lot about that, that uh, pyramid, that food pyramid. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And how ridiculously wrong that is. Now I'm looking at it like, I almost feel like I want to sue somebody on how <laughs> bad that that was. What about yeah. it do you you hate the most? Like what is, what about it angers you? It, the the fact that you know it, it really wants you to be loaded with breads and 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 those type of sugars that really the FDA would even approve nowadays. If we if sugar just all of a sudden came on the market, the FDA wouldn't approve it. And it's like we were kind of duped when we were young, thinking, oh yeah, if I eat this wheat bread, I'll be healthy. If I you know, stay away from eggs and things like that. I, I will stay healthy. And it's like, it's just completely wrong from what yeah, I've been when learning. When we were kids, it was even worse. It was white bread. I don't ever remember wheat <clears throat> bread being on my table. Wonder bread. Wonder bread. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, there's just so much that I, it's particularly in the last two, three years and, and uh, that I've learned that I'm like, I just feel like we just kind of got duped when you're we young uh, by 
the government in some ways of uh, kind of dictating what is healthy and what is not. I should have. This sounds like out. a government conspiracy. I, you know, I really feel like the government. I'm actually just going to say it. I believe the government wants us to die at age 80, if not before. Well, it saves oh. them a lot of money. Exactly. Their main goal is to get us off of the Social Security, you know, and all that dependable care. And so why would uh, they be looking out for our best health interest? That makes and sense to me. the same way when it comes to the pharmaceutical companies and the same thing when it comes to, uh, you know, hospital care and, and, and insurance and things like that. It's just I, I this is one of those topics where I could definitely get into more conspiracy type waters. Well, okay. I thought I think eighty is being very generous. <laughs> I, I, I I agree. Seventy two. I think sixty six the year after you retire. Yeah, exactly. As long as as soon as you're no longer contributing to society, get out of exactly. here. Exactly. <laughs> but it's, it's it's we joke about it, but I I'm dead serious. I think there's a an internal ploy or external whatever to really get like like Nikki said, get us off the off the table. So, I would agree. I mean, I, I don't I certainly don't think that they're putting information out there that is truly beneficial to our health. I mean, from the you know, American Heart Association to the Oh, that's another joke. I mean, it's it's ridiculous what they're telling us and the cholesterol level we talked we've talked about that a little bit about the number. Yeah. I used to take a statin until uh -oh. I met a friend of Lisa's and we were just at a dinner party and he was talking about how he cornered his doctor about the, the cholesterol number. And he's like, he was just kept drilling his doctor who was a good friend of his. And the guy was probably more honest than he would have been if it was not a good friend of, of, of his and just kept saying, well, where does that number come from? And he said, Oh, the, the drug company that makes the statin, that makes the, you know, the cholesterol medication, they come up with the threshold. And that makes sense why they keep, you know, changing the the, the number because exactly. they need to change the number to make to more money. Selling the to damn make drug. More money. That day I stopped taking the statin. Never I've never I've taken heard, it again. I've heard nothing, absolutely nothing good about that drug. That that is just I feel like and, and we're worried about, you know, marijuana and stuff like that in this country. It's ridiculous. Well, I will say this. Uh, from the people, clients of mine that I know who are on statin, uh, they have aged significantly since going on it. And if you read hmm. the, um, the results of statins, they say that, like, the aging of your body is enhanced through taking right. statins. Interesting. My mother sent me a text recently and said she was all upset because she just went to the doctor today and she's 80 and that she has to now be on statins because her cholesterol level went up. I immediately <laughs> said, no, you don't. <laughs> I mean, Ridiculous. and I've researched, I've researched just even garlic. They say that fresh crushed garlic on a daily basis and apple cider vinegar will lower your cholesterol level. Well, first of so, all, when we talk you don't about the heart, even have to lower your cholesterol. Yeah, the heart, the right. heart, and what is it? The heart disease found it, whatever it is, anything. The, the reason why we're talking about heart cholesterol is because we're worried about heart attacks, right? Well, mm. the reality is, is that heart attacks aren't caused by high cholesterol. In fact, cholesterol exactly. has nothing to do with heart attacks. It's the inflammation that is the precursor for all of it. And the cholesterol was like the scapegoat. It was like the fall guy right. that they just chose. They were like, oh, let's just use cholesterol. And so the whole 
thing about even worrying about your cholesterol. Like, I, I, I don't even know why it's a major issue, to be quite honest. If people started tackling inflammation in their bodies... I, I, Nikki, I have a theory on that. I, I really think it's a lot of the, the food industry has an impact on what they want to sell. They wanted to... Make money. Pump, yeah. They wanted to <clears throat> pump out certain products and, and, and scaring people from eating eggs and, and instead of eating something else is like one of the tactics of doing it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's um, like once you start... And this is the whole thing like we talked about you know, Lisa and Brian and I had a very intense conversation last night over some wine and dinner, and uh, it was about how it's our duty to ourselves to understand and discern what is actually educational and and truly beneficial to us, like the knowledge that we're taking in, is just because it's coming from an authority, does that mean it's actually good for me? Or should I be questioning it and doing the own, my own research to validate what I'm being told? Absolutely. And, you know, the bottom line is that you can't trust, you know, mainstream media and you can't trust the, the doctors that are owned by the pharmaceutical companies that you have to do your own research. Well, you, own you just research. have to verify. You, you can, you know, like, I mean, you can still trust your doctor, but verify and not look at them. This is what happens a lot in my industry doctors get this godly feeling over their patients so uh, from the patient's perspective so the patient just believes anything that comes out of the doctor's mouth you can you can trust them but verify the heck out of what they're saying trust but you know that that makes me think about when i chose my first doctor um you know i have an interesting relationship with the the health field because my mom is a nurse so she was always my doctor and still today if i have a medical issue i call her first she's so so smart um but she's also unhealthy in a lot of her habits as 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 well because she fits within you know what the the system system tells her but when i graduated from college and moved out here to colorado and you know signed up for the employer you know health program and I had to go through and pick my own doctor. I remember, you know, looking through the list and I was like, how do you pick a doctor? And I, I, I set up a couple of appointments with different doctors and there was this one guy in his description. He talked about, he was a blending between Eastern and Western medicine. And to this day, I have no idea why I felt like I was drawn towards quote unquote Eastern medicine, but he his approach was so unique and when i met with him he told me what his approach was he he said i will i will tell you all the different ways we can treat any anything that you have from i can give you a pill i can give you the western medicine pill or you can do psychotherapy or bee sting therapy or i mean the, the whole gamut i will tell you every treatment that is available for your ailment and you choose that's and amazing it was such an incredible feeling that ultimately it was my choice. And I, and I would assume nine out of 10 doctors aren't that way. And you go and you see your doctor and the doctor says, this is what I want you to do. 99 out of a hundred doctors aren't that way. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I would ag- I agree with Lisa. Uh, and that's, that's a pretty um, incredible um experience that you were able to come across that you were able to find a doctor that empowers you to choose what you feel is right for your body given all the options that the doctors presented you are viable 
Let me put an asterisk next next to that statement. Keep in mind, when I graduated college, I moved to Boulder. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, see, so, oh, this is not just anywhere in America. I was in Boulder, and his office was next to the Naropa Institute. So. Yeah, that makes more sense. You know, and it's funny. For me, I think about why, why or how I got on more of a, a natural path of medicine. And, you know, honestly, it probably started with my mother. I'm the youngest of eight, and she didn't have money to send us to the doctor. So a lot of the time it was just like... You just kind of had to figure it out. Like the doctor Put was some built, dirt on it. Yeah, rub some dirt on it. That was kind of the last, the last resort. So it did make you sort of think outside of the doctor's office. Like, what can I do to um, heal myself, or you know, what are my other options? So you know, I think that it kind of started there. But um, I remember when I was pregnant, I was doing, I had a doctor just ask somebody for a recommendation. Here's, you know, an OBGYN. I'm new to Colorado. I, I sign up with this doctor, but I started, you know, doing some just reading baby books, pregnancy books about all these different methods of things that could be done, whether you have an IV or an episiotomy or you don't have one and, and learning more about that. And, and when I was six months pregnant, I went into my doctor's office and I was kind of excited because I'd been you know, researching pregnancy and, and I said, oh yeah, I decided, you know, I don't want an episiotomy and I definitely don't want to have an IV. And, you know, I, I guess I was just, I had heard a story about women in the rice paddy fields who used, who squatted, had their baby and threw them in the backpack and like kept working. And that story really stuck in my head. And I was thinking, you know, people have been having babies for you know, trillions of years, right? Or however long Maybe babies, not that many. However long, you never know. <laughs> babies are being being made and um, millions of years. Yeah, we'll go with and, millions. Uh, <laughs> and we didn't have doctors back then and we didn't have all these things. So I was thinking, what? Do, I don't need all this stuff. And so when I told him, he, he said to me, I'm your doctor and I will do what I see fit. Oh. And I literally jumped up off the table and I just started getting dressed like right there in front of him. And I said, yeah, you're not my doctor anymore. And I left. Good for you. Found myself a midwife. But it was a great experience because that alone just kind of made me question going forward, you know, with my children and everything, everything a doctor said to me. I'm like, if, if a doctor can be that arrogant, you know, over just delivering a baby, which to me is not an illness, you know, it's a natural thing. I'm not sick here. I don't need your knives and your pills and your potions and whatever it is, your pharmaceuticals. Um, you know, what are they going to suggest to me when I bring my children in? So I questioned everything after that. That's a really good point. And I think that's like something that we forget because we're so immersed in what our society is now that we forget about the millions of years before us. Like what did people do? without all of these drugs. And we think that, you know what, people like only lived to being 20 years old and now we've been able to extend life to, you know, if you're really lucky, 80 years old. Um, I think that's a really good point because there are some benefits to what we've discovered with Western medicine. There are. Go ahead and name them. You just did. We've extended our life. 
with I'm not saying with all of Western medicine, but when I say Western medicine, maybe I should just say medicine in, in general. We've learned things that we do now that you know that we didn't do 200 years ago. Just Antibiotics of, probably is right. a really big one that maybe people died you know, of an early death because of infections right. and things like that. You know, a lot of people died from consumption, you know, and, and you know, and, 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 and the birth mortality rate back in the day before really a lot of the hospitals was about 50%. I mean, yeah. Okay. But so. then I can, I can argue that if you go into uh, less civilized uh, uh, societies where the, Community is very much in alignment with nature. So thinking of like different tribes, whether it's in um, South America, here in North America, where they're very in tune with Mother Nature and what Mother Nature has to offer that, you know, you think about the societies in, say, South America that have never used toothpaste once in their life and they have extremely healthy gums and teeth. Uh, but it's because they don't eat sugar. So while we're advancing our medicine, we're deteriorating everything else because of it. And so it's almost like, well, what do we really need? Do we really need all of these pharmaceuticals? Or what if we just went back to basics and started eating the way Mother Nature intended us to, like for our bodies? Because I do believe that our bodies were designed to handle many things and that in nature, all of the cures are available to us. It just doesn't make sense why you would be put here and then not have the cures. It's just a matter of using your alignment with nature, your tuneness, your intuitiveness, and your understanding of knowledge through passage down through elders and, and whatever to understand what it is works. I think that's an incredible point. Um, a, a, a natural choice. I mean, I, yeah, the pharmaceuticals I think are way off base. I actually, when I moved back um, to America from China a year ago, it was a year ago this week actually, um, I came back to start a hemp company. Um, it was a, a wellness company and all the products were made from hemp. And I discovered the endocannabinoid system in our bodies, which is an incredible aspect that our body has to fight illnesses and ailments, but it works with a certain plant. It doesn't work with any pharmaceutical, but it works with a plant that has been made illegal. Um, and that's, or it works with a part of the plant, it, you know, the, 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 the cannabis plant, specifically the hemp, plant and the the cbd the, the the cannabinoid molecules in that plant it's the only thing that docks with the endocannabinoid system in our body and here's this thing that has been taken away from everyone made illegal and made illegal and it's something that we have not been able to ingest which means that part of our body has just been laying dormant i mean that that just goes right back to Michael's point about, you know, he thinks that there's, I'm going to call it a conspiracy, you know, in the government to actually, they don't want us to live forever. Well, from what I understand, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I understand that the whole reason why hemp was demonized was because they were starting to realize that they could use it to fuel cars and the oil and oil industry didn't want that to come out. And obviously the government makes a lot of money through oil. And so I just... 
to me, that was one of the biggest reasons why hemp got demonized. It's, it's, it's one, it'll, it'll be one of those things that'll always be a, you know, a urban, an urban legend. We don't know the real reason. Um, I think the more likely culprit, and it might sound surprising because, you know, now we're more familiar with big oil, but you've got to think this is the early part of the 20th century. Oil wasn't as big, but you know what industry was? Cotton. Cotton. Big cotton was probably the bigger culprit because the, 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 the industrial version of the hemp plant, which is the one that grows 12 to 15 feet tall, which was used for rope cordage and, and you know, uh, clothing and all those sorts of things, it was a big competitor um, to cotton. And the, the hemp plant is really interesting. It's one of the few uh, plants that can be farmed that actually adds nutrients back to the to the soil. You know, we, so many of our our plants that we farm destroy the soil, and that's why they had to invent crop rotation because you had to let you know a part of your field stay fallow for a while. But hemp just feeds the soil. Um, it's it's you know it's carbon neutral. It's it's really this really incredible plant. Um, but who knows why it was why it was really it was more than likely oil or cotton somebody was against it, but it, it's, it's like so many things that have happened in our um, society. When one industry that makes a lot of money is challenged by a startup, a little, a little, the little guy there, you know, they squash it. You know, I think that's really the, the thing that needs to be understood, like as you're awakening and, you know, it's un, just the idea that government, Government and big companies, they're not looking out for your best interest. They're looking out for theirs. Their bottom line. They're looking out for their bottom line. And they will come, you know, they won't stop at anything to achieve that bottom line. Even, even you know, if it kills people or makes people sick. Exactly. Tobacco. And, and, and they'll use lobbyists and politicians and anything that they can to change laws like making, you know, hemp and CBD illegal just to save their bottom line. And, you know, I think still, I know a lot of people are waking up to it, but there's still a lot of people who out, out there who, who just don't want to believe that the government and the, and the powers that be and the people that own these conglomerate companies wouldn't care about the health and well-being of, you know, billions of people. And it's just, it's a hard pill to swallow, but it's just true. And I think, you know, a lot of people just label that as a conspiracy theory, and then that gives it a bad taste in your mouth, and you don't want to believe that. But it, it's just true. There's just you know, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a story. This, it's, it's somewhat related. Um, you know, my first, my first profession when I, after I graduated college, I was a historic preservationist, and I traveled around the country, uh, working in historic communities and historic neighborhoods all, all around. And what was really fascinating to me. One of the things that I learned through doing this, most mid-sized communities, um, small and mid-sized communities all across the country, they had um, little trolley systems that would run from the first ring neighborhood into the, into the downtown. Um, and they were really quite popular. But then all of a sudden, they all went away all around the same time period. And it was because one company bought all of the rail lines in America 
and shut them down. And shut them down. And it was a good year because they made tires and they wanted people to drive. So just imagine how different all of our lives would be if all of these wonderful communities still had these little trolley systems that would take people back and forth. And, you know, now we have highways and, and cars everywhere. Yeah, no, right on point. Yeah, that's that's an interesting point to make. And I will say this, this is my personal opinion, but I feel like the term conspiracy theory is used by those who are lazy and don't want to open their minds to search for the truth themselves. And <laughs> that was aimed at Brian. <laughs> no, you know, no, it no, not because of our conversation last night, but because of anyone who uses the word conspiracy when they're confronted with something they can't believe to be true. It's one thing to not believe that it's true. You're allowed to believe whatever you want. But if you're not willing to at least do your own due diligence to research it without just labeling it as a conspiracy theory because you just don't feel like believing it, to me, that's laziness. I want to tell you something that just happened to Lisa and I that's going to make you laugh, Nicole. We were just over at my parents' house and we went for a walk with with my dad we were the lisa and i and my dad were walking smoking cigars and uh he's behind us and we're just walking and there's a plane flying overhead and i just made a a flippant comment about the it was a contrail it was a it was a it was very clearly a condensation trail and my dad said oh did you know there's a new conspiracy theory about how that's actually chemicals and he said <laughs> i was just watching nine news and they proved that there was no data to support that. And Lisa just let him know how the news agencies are a part of the cover-up. <laughs> I was like, I'll agree with you that that's a contrail. That is not a chemtrail. Oh, However, we don't want to get started on this do... one. <laughs> chemtrails do exist, and of course, Nine News is going to. I go mainstream media. Of course, they're going to. He goes. Nine News isn't mainstream media. <laughs> Any media that has commercials, you cannot trust. Oh, that's a really interesting point. Cha-ching! Wow, that made sense to me. Oh, dear Lord, something made sense. <laughs> that's a really for, good there's point. A, there's a case, I, th I think it was ESPN, that actually had to pull an article or change the article completely because... A uh, football player from the Patriots did so much better this year because he said he changed his diet. And the one thing he changed his diet was stop going to Wendy's. And they they couldn't report that they because that's who was one of their sponsors. Wendy's. Interesting. And so it's like and, and then and then the, so and then this last week with the all the gun situation, we keep focusing on guns, but nobody's talking about the pharmaceutical drugs that most of these people were on. Guess who is a big investor in a lot of commercials on all the major news networks in between? You know, you see well, all you commercials see left is and right commercials. Exactly. So yeah, they're of course they're going to avoid that part of the. Of so the they're day. not reporting on, you know, the most important aspect of the story because, because it it that they want to report on and they will. Yeah. Like I mean, it's just you cannot get your information from like you 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 nailed it from that, any. I, I've never heard it talked about that way, and it, it's a really it's a really mind opening point to me that they they are there to make money, which is why they're selling airtime. Mm -hmm. And somebody's going to say, "Well, I'm not going to give you money if, if you say, say this." Now that would also presuppose that your advertisers know what your content is before you air it. 
Well, I'm sure there's some sort of contracts that they're held under to say that these are the things that you. Yeah, these are the topics. You can't say anything anti these subjects or these companies or, you know, so that's the, you know, we did talk extensively. uh, Sorry, sorry, Lisa, but a lot of times they'll go back and retract an article or change it completely after a a sponsor, you know, calls the network and says, whoa, whoa, whoa. That happens a lot. And that's what happened in this recent thing with the Wendy's thing that I was telling you about. But this ties in exactly to what we were talking about last night and the point that we were trying to make, you know, was that these major networks are funded solely by advertisers, you know, and so they're so dependent on their their delivery of information that they're going to call news to you is so dependent on who is paying their uh, paying them to be there. Whereas you now have these major networks being completely threatened by independent content creators who are delivering news uh, from their perspective with no one telling them how to censor their information, what they, what sort of funnels they need to put their information through. And you have uh, networks like CNN being very threatened now because their audience is starting to move towards that. They're losing their audience like, at a very and, rapid and, rate. Let, let you me, can almost uh, sense the desperation with CNN, exactly. too, because they're getting so ridiculous with their, their coverage just to try to keep any kind of entertainment value to them. That it's makes me think of something that that you're getting ready to, I think, go through, Nicole. You know, with, with your growing online presence, your social media presence and your online presence, you're being approached by people that want you to mention their products isn't that true yeah yeah i am okay so so how how do you go about that if i don't feel like the product would serve my audience to their highest good i will never do it yeah but even if it does serve their highest good and you accept their money but then you're in one of your podcasts or videos or whatever it is where they're advertising and you mention also one of their competitors they're going to call and they're going to say, hey, you, you can't do that. You got to you got to re- rein it in or, you know, we're going to pull our funding. That's why, like, I'm actually, you know, it's an interesting topic because I'm now having to address that. And I I will never compromise my integrity like because I never to me, I my biggest um, one of the things that is so important to me is that I build a relationship of trust with my audience. And I want them to know and always understand that whatever information I'm going to give, that I truly stand behind it, I believe it, and I'm delivering it because I believe it's helpful. Um, If at any time I think something outside of that is going to compromise it and it's got to do with money in some sort of way, I won't be a part of it. You know, while I absolutely, you know, believe in, in, trust you and what you just said, it just makes me wonder how many people, I mean, you know, this is one of those famous last words, how many broadcasters and news people have said that exact same thing. I will never compromise my integrity. And, and like, get manip- I just, I, I just touched somebody's breast and I got fired. You know, I, I bet you could find at some point in the last 20 years, Oh, for sure. From Matt Lauer that said, I will never compromise my integrity. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a cliche statement, but since we know Nicole, I'm giving her the, you know, the benefit oh, I know of the that, doubt. And, and that's why I said that. I 100% <laughs> believe 
Nicole would never do that. But it just makes you wonder. I mean, you know, I'm I'm at the beginning of starting a new company, and I know I would never compromise my integrity. But in 20 years, when you're a multi-million dollar corporation, how things change. Okay, well, this is this devil, is good. How the devil tempts you. This is good, and this is why the my spiritual practice is so important to me to keep me grounded, to keep me out of ego as often as possible to always be in alignment with serving myself and everyone else around me to the highest good. And mm. at some point, you know, I believe that, you know, everyone has a price, you know, that doesn't mean that that, that price will ever be met. Um, perhaps that price doesn't even have a dollar value. Uh, but there's, to me, You can't, as soon as you take one step off the path of integrity, you, you, you're ruined. You're ruined. Yep. And, you, and, and I just, to me, I'm not doing this for the money anyway. So that's where, like, for me, yeah, of course I, I need to make a living. I need to, to you know, pay my bills and, and have enough to make a life for myself that I'm comfortable and can support a family on. But... I don't have the personality of the dollar is not to me as valuable as many other things in my life. So yeah, it's the ego, but also like to me, like for, I will always, my time is more valuable than money. And so if something's going to compromise my time, like it's going to get in the way of how much time I can spend with a loved one, or it's going to get in the way of my time that I need to keep myself healthy uh, like I won't compromise that to me that is of much more value than a dollar so it's a matter of figuring out what your value system is and when you know what your value system is and if it aligns in with your integrity then you know where you're supposed to go and where you're not supposed to go you know and I think I just keep thinking about the you know topic that we kind of started with about health and health and wellness and pharmaceuticals and, and, you know, doctors that, that got into medicine that, that maybe got into it because they truly wanted to help people. And well, and they, they all say an oath that starts do no harm. Yeah. And then, but they're, you know, also being bought just like, you know, we talk about advertising on television for the news broadcast it's the same thing with doctors and pharmaceutical companies that are coming to them and, and paying them to, you know, use our product, give our product. This is, you know. So are they breaking that oath? Do no harm if they are giving drugs that are not good for people? I don't, maybe they don't necessarily believe that they're I mean, harmful. I think, I think, I mean, from the doctors I've met, they have some of the biggest egos in the world. So if they feel like it's something that, that is correct and true with whatever BS that they were fed by whoever was selling them on it, then they're just going to run with it. And yeah, they may not, not like, like Lisa said, they may not know that they are causing harm out there. They may not know by putting you on a statin that they're, you're rapidly aging your body. But when they go to medical school, it's, it's medicine. It's, you know, when you go to a doctor, I mean, think about yeah. what, their degree is They're in studying medicine. Their degree is in medicine. You're not going to a holistic health naturopath. 
you're going to somebody whose job is to prescribe medicine to make you better. So yeah, they're upholding their oath because I think the whole entire time that they went to school and their internship and all that, that's what they learned. That's how they learned to heal these, you know, ailments and diseases and, and symptoms is through medicine. So they don't think that they're doing anything wrong. Unless you're the, the, the like my doctor in, in, in Boulder, he, his part of his story was, you know, he went to medical school here and in America, but when he had to do his, uh, you internship. know, internship or whatever it is, he went to Vietnam. And then, he, yeah. So I think, you know, as an individual, like we said in the beginning, you know, it's our responsibility to make sure that we're doing the correct thing for ourselves to do the research and not necessarily just take, you know, a doctor's advice or whatever, but but, you know, maybe that pill or whatever is your best choice. Maybe you really do need to be on an antibiotic, but maybe you need to get a second or third opinion, but maybe not from a medical doctor. I completely maybe agree. From... I do believe that if medicine has its place. I really do believe that it has Absolutely. its place. You know, my mother would not be here today if it wasn't for um, a surgeon who knew how to uh, take out a tumor the size of a grapefruit from her brain. You know, like my mother would not be here today. And that actually was something that shifted me out of being so far extreme to the natural health side and Eastern philosophy of medicine to coming back and realizing, okay, no, there, there is a time and a place for this. It's just a matter of knowing when. And are we being proactive in creating a healthy lifestyle for ourselves so that we're not constantly succumbing to these drugs you, you know, because we are constantly getting sick or, you know, whatever it is that our body's breaking down, whether it's through inflammation, that we are constantly getting sick and have to be, uh, you know, looking towards drugs as an option. Like, are we not being proactive and taking care of our vessel first and foremost and doing everything that we possibly know we can so that we're not always facing that situation? And then when you do face that situation, it's a lot um more seldom and then you don't feel as i don't know helpless yeah exactly as helpless you know the it, it makes me think of my my sister-in-law who's a, a double doctor she's a research physician scientist oncologist and i i i approached her about hemp one time because it can have incredible results with cancer it can actually kill cancer. Um, CBD can. And she just, she looked at me and she said, you know, when it's legal, I'd love to study it. And she can't, you know, it's, it's just fascinating that even from a physician's point of view, it's not even on the table. Look at, look at what, <laughs> what has been achieved by just passing that law. You know, it's just stymied the medical profession but it, and but but look at how it's also either on purpose or a, a good side effect for the pharmaceutical companies now we have more cancer mm -hmm. because we don't have we, business we can't use this one thing well now i can make more money because i gotta you know come up with a fake way to fight cancer i just think that that's just an important thing that people allow themselves to contemplate you know for the four of us we're already there and but you know, I th and probably for most of our listeners are probably already there, but just understanding that 
it's a money driven um, business for people to be ill. You know, sick people is is such a big, big money maker, and you just you have to open your mind to the fact that as as sick as it is, as sad as it is, that people that you think should be looking out after your best interests really want you to stay sick so that they can continue to make money. It's a true thing. It's a fact, and and you have to open your eyes to it, and you have to be aware of it. You don't have to necessarily be afraid of it but at least be aware that that's something that's going on but you know they're also like michael pointed out they are terribly egotistical and driven by that ego and they're not they're always going to tell you they're right they're not going to say yeah you you don't have any hope they're going to say here here take the magic pill mm-hmm. well a lot rides to be fair to be fair though i mean i'm Way over generalizing too. I mean, I've met some good doctors out there. So oh, absolutely. And I told a story about a wonderful doctor. Yeah. So sometimes I feel like I'm, you know, we, I, I don't want to like throw everybody. Yeah, you under can't the bus. throw the baby out with the bathwater. I mean, there are good. We've talked about this in everything that we talk about, whether it's psychics or doctors or, you know, anything. There's good and bad. Right. There's I think people the, who really do look out for your best interest. And I I'll think tell you, you what, though, I, I believe the generally speaking, the insurance is not looking out for our best interest at all. <laughs> yeah, we haven't even talked about that. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> well, you no, just I... said scam. <laughs> insurance is such a scam. It pisses me off so bad, especially with hearing the, all the stories of the post-hurricane stuff that happened down here and how these insurance companies are just screwing people so bad. Nicole's trying to figure out why I'm such a different person on air than I am with her in person. What do you mean? Why? Why? You just I said scam. Because I just said scam, and you know, it's like, oh yeah, I agree with that. And, <laughs> we are, and we push, already talked I about this. I pushed you so hard on your opinions. I know, but that's only because you know you get triggered by conspiracy. So <laughs> I do it to trigger. We figured that out last I th- night. I think that's a real. I think that's a really interesting idea to to see if we discover something. Uh, when, when <laughs> All four of us are discovering each other's triggers. <laughs> <laughs> Just the fact that you have under you now understand, or or you you know you can said it. it, you can see that the word conspiracy is a trigger for you. That's that's huge because no, you know, once you start to discover what your buttons are and that you're automatically reacting something, then you can just say, hey, you know, is this real? Like, do I need to act this way, or why am I behaving? Why am I letting myself be triggered? So yeah. that's a big first step. Brian, maybe, lots of wine, maybe in all you. of my past lives, I've been killed by a conspiracy. <sighs> it's maybe. very possible. It's very possible that you could have been a conspiracy theorist in a past life and have been murdered several times for speaking out about it. And so now as a fail safe to keep you protected here in this lifetime, you just won't talk about I it. I shut it down. Yeah. It's a very real to- possibility. But I just well, like, do you well, know? Do you know, real Brian? With quotes around it. <laughs> real with air quotes around it. <laughs> do you know, Brian, where conspiracy originated from? The word? No. You should look it up. Oh come on! You can't just go there. You got to tell us. No, you the should, listeners you are going to sh- say, "Oh, I don't want to go to." You should look into why conspiracy was created. The to, word. Why the word conspiracy? Yeah, it was to shut the people up who were telling the truth. The, the entomology of the word spirit, uh, conspiracy. 
Yeah, and how it was used to um, further specific agendas. Well, yeah, because if somebody wants to speak the truth and say, hey, look at what these people are doing, you know, they're not, they don't have our best interests, that, you know, they're making people sick, blah, 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 whatever the case may be, the easiest way to shut those people up is to say, oh, conspiracy theorists. Yeah, but there's an actual movement behind the whole word, word. like there was a, an entire agenda behind it. So look, look into it. Okay. It's not just a definition that she's looking for. Yeah, and I a... yeah, it's not just a definition. And I and I'm asking you to look into it because I feel like it would be better for you to research it than me to tell you what it is. Because I won't believe you. Because I'll think it's a conspiracy. <laughs> I will. I'll look it up. Okay. Cool. So I wanted to talk about, um, you know, how spirituality plays into this because, you know, we talk about energy a lot and we talk about tuning into what you're feeling like bringing mind and body into union so that your you can listen to what your body's trying to tell you and the mind and how they can work together to communicate to you what might be going on and how that actually is a major tool for all of us to use when we're trying to discern our own health like for instance lisa you have been doing this with your back yes I've tried everything. <laughs> no, but I mean, just... we were we were talking about it just this morning. How your your Pilates is forcing you to really tune into what your body is capable of, where the pain is, what you're feeling, and you're able to discern like what has healed, where the root of the problem might be, like just where it is in your actual body. Yeah, I think you know. My whole life, I have been the healthiest person I've ever known. You know, I just, I, I don't get sick hardly ever. I can go, go, go. You know, I, I'm, I've been a runner for a long time. Um, you know, love to go to the gym. Just, I can do so many things and I've just, nothing's ever stopped me. I heal really quickly, all that. So when my back first started to hurt, I really didn't listen to myself. I, I just had this notion that I was sort of invincible and I have a very mm. high tolerance for pain. So I didn't, I'm not someone who ever really let pain stop me. I just kind of pushed through things. And, and you know, to a certain degree, I, I knew when I had to stop, if I really like twisted my ankle, obviously, and I couldn't walk on it, I wouldn't. But when my back was just aching and my body was still moving, I just really didn't pay attention to it. And I continued to run and, and I really, I, I mean, I can remember the day vividly. I know like my body was saying, stop, do not do this. And I said, yeah, I can do it. It's just pain. I'm just going to push through it. And I really feel like this long journey I've been on with my back because I've tried literally everything, you know, acupuncture and chiropractors and physical therapy and stretching and yoga and psychics and, um, sh you know, people clearing reptile implants out of me. And, you know, I, I, I was there <laughs> meditation and even a, even more healthier diet than I was currently on. And, you know, just trying all these things and, and I'm still, you know, on this road to recovery after over a year and a half. 
and I've come to what you know Nicole and I were talking about this morning. I've I've recently you know come to the conclusion that it's been my failsafe. It's been my way of right now shutting me down and making me stop and say, listen, you need to start listening to your body. You can't just go, 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 and forget about you and just want to go, you know, I got to take care of everything for everybody else or make things happen. You know, there's a body here and you're in it and you need to pay attention. So it's really allowed me to hone in, especially with Pilates, because there's Pilates really focuses on some of the smallest muscle movements and you really have to pay attention to, you know, um, shutting one muscle down and, and, and using another, and it takes a lot of mental focus. And so, yeah, I've definitely, um, you know, I can't see myself ever going back to the way I was before where I just, you know, think I'm invincible and I'm gonna, gonna plow through stuff and even pain because pain to me now means stop. Yeah. When I, you know, when like you're, you know, in physical therapy, they tell you if you feel pain, that means don't do, even if it's an exercise I told you to do, if it hurts, stop, don't do it. You know, and I never thought that way before. Yeah. Like so. even, like even just a couple days ago, I was doing a workout with a client online and I was using kettlebells and I was doing these kettlebell swings. And on, on the first round, I felt like my lower back all of a sudden start to just slightly twinge. And I'm like, oh, what's that? And then the second round, I started to do it again. And I'm like, I felt it. And I'm like, it's just feeling like if I push it a little bit more, it's going to go out. And the old me would have been like, just work through it. It'll be fine. You'll get through it. And I just said, no, I'm not doing this because I'm not going to, if my body's telling me no, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to do it. And, you know, for you, for me, it's interesting because we talk about our soul choices before we come into this lifetime. If you believe in reincarnation and that you get to choose what your soul lessons are and, and, and how that may play out in this lifetime and how that's all going to be orchestrated. And I truly believe that I chose to uh, incarnate into a very inflexible body. And that mm. now is so clear to me as to why I chose that, why I chose that lesson, because through my, inflexibility it when I finally started to face it it forced me to make that connection to my body through yoga and when I and I was of course like so scared of yoga because I was afraid of showing like an incapability but once I moved through that and was able to finally start making that connection I really that's when my that's when my spirituality started to make leaps and bounds because I not only was just listening to my mind, I was now letting my body join the conversation. And through allowing the body to join the conversation, it really started to teach me many things that I don't think my mind would have been able to teach me. And like for me, the biggest one was teaching me how to love myself and start to take care of myself through um, not having to push my body the way you were just discussing, Lisa. And my fail safe is yoga. I now know because I threw my back out in 2010 and when I, you know, five weeks after like being crippled and trying to run again, uh, I threw it right out again. And I hadn't been doing yoga for a couple of weeks when I knew I should have been. And I realized that yoga is my body will go out if I don't do yoga. But the reason why I'm supposed to do yoga is not necessarily to protect my back. It's to maintain that mind body connection so that I'm never tuning out from what my body and mind are trying to tell me together. 
And that's how, when we start to pay attention to our health and our bodies on a deeper level, like that's where we can start to take things to a deeper level and allow our body to start talking to us about like what might be wrong before a doctor starts telling us. You know, like maybe you'll find out six months earlier than you would have that something was up and you want to go see your doctor about it. And now you get to like, you get to treat whatever it is a lot earlier and you're not having to face a, a steeper uphill battle than you would have been had you not listened to yourself. Like these are all important things that I think we start to learn that we have more tools at our disposal within our own being to be that voice of not concern, but hey, something's up. Yeah, you do have to listen to it though. And I think, you know, you, you said something important, which I know is some a factor for me is it's also about loving yourself. It's like, to you know, for me, for so many years, I put myself last. It was everybody else was more important. Just getting the job done was more important. Taking care of my family was more important than anything that I was going through or feeling. And I, you know, translated that over to how I was treating my body. I mean, even though I was, I've always been really healthy as far as how I eat and I'm exercising, but when it came to pain and being uncomfortable, I was just like, you can handle this. You've, you know, but that's not really loving yourself. Handling something isn't loving yourself, you know? And I think that that's what I'm learning. It's not about, can I deal with the pain or pushing through it? It's, it's about truly loving and taking care of yourself and listening to what your, what your wants and your needs are. Yeah. I think that's, a you really know, good just thing. listening to, to you two talk right now, just made me think of one thing. I, I think the four of us have never really faced the major medical issues. I would, I would venture a, a guess, but it just makes me think how lucky we are first mm-hmm. of all, but how different this conversation would be for one or all of us if we were there are so many people that just have life long terrible issues and you know i mean that sometimes solutions for them are not as easy as it's just for us to say oh i was lucky and i gotta do this and yeah i gotta choose my doctor but i've never really had any problem in my entire life that i really needed a doctor for yeah but you can also throw in the argument of is it because you've been so proactive in your health from the beginning well i think health is also so there's so many things involved with your health you know that come from society and family and neighborhood yeah that that you know what you're eating what you're ingesting the chemicals that you're around things like that your socioeconomic status. how you were born just some people are born with genetic yep. types yep. of disorders and things like that but but also there's the you know i know a lot of people who you know have like cancer or breast cancer and i find that almost every everyone i know who has had breast cancer has some sort of long-term issue like like a family issue like an alcoholic husband or a an abuse situation or like something that has been that weighs on them heavily on a day to day 
basis that they really have kind of swept under the carpet and really aren't dealing with. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I may be wrong and maybe it's only a small percentage of, of people, but I think that that also has something to do with it. That sometimes when we're not dealing with things in our life, um, we, we have a way of bringing it full circle. Well, no, absolutely. Something, because something you're talking about, you're talking about now the emotional bodies and the mental bodies. We're, we're, yes. We've been talking just primarily about the physical bodies, but we forget that we are spiritual beings. We're made up of energy and our emotional bodies and our mental bodies actually precede the, the, the physical bodies. And so that is the last manifestation is through physical. So when we're not dealing with things emotionally, then they start to manifest in the mental body. You know, whether that's anxiety, whether that's anger, whether like, you know, um, maybe maybe it's just stress. You, you're not able to handle things, uh, work your workloads or, you know, people start just rubbing you the wrong way a lot easier. And then you don't deal with that. Then all of a sudden the physical manifestation happens. And so. Yeah, but I've never emotionally dealt with anything. I've cluelessly <laughs> bounced from episode in life to episode in life. And I don't think I've ever had anything, any physical manifestation. Yes, I've had a bad back for a long time, but that was from hitting a tree in a maybe, car. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's from emotionally suppressing things that you're just not aware of. I mean, I have always believed since the moment my back started to hurt, and one of the reasons I, I didn't really take it that seriously, I believe that it was just something emotional. Like I had just gotten a divorce after such a long time. My kids both moved out of state and I just kept believing that it's something that I need to, you know, let go and I'll work this through and, you know, it's not that serious and, you know, it's a, it's a journey. Yeah. But it's a journey and you don't always know exactly what it is, but I think it's important to, at least look at the other possibilities. Like maybe this just isn't a physical thing. Maybe no, this is also an emotional thing. Listen, there are things that are physically just going to make you sick. Okay. You could be emotionally happy, mentally happy, like everything's all good. But if you're just ingesting McDonald's every day, then physically things are going to start to break down. Okay. <laughs> but also there's the aspect of what if there are things like you there's trauma that happened at a really young age that you've never been able to deal with or perhaps you don't even remember it because you've suppressed it that starts to come up in other sorts of ways and that's why you have the eastern philosophy that teaches you how certain organs will start to break down because of certain emotions or certain things that have happened in your life and that's how they're able to find out on a deeper level what's going on with you and heal you through not just the physical body but the emotional and mental bodies as well i do have to say one thing about eastern medicine since i'm the one of the four of us that lived in the East, not the East Coast, <laughs> the Far East. Their idea of medicine is so fucking backwards sometimes. Yes, they well, invented in a acupuncture, in China, China. but they believe hot water cures sicknesses. So I want to make sure that you take this all with a grain of, of salt and it really comes down. You know, when I lived over there, and if you had a very, you know, serious health issue, they would say hot water. Or I even had a staff member that asked there's, me if I worked out. There's a lot out. to be said about shocking your cells with heat. 
that that produce some really very healing enzymes. So I wouldn't say. I think you're. Yeah, I think you're taking it too. Shocking your system with heat. This is about drinking hot water. You know, like it's all they drink is hot water. But I had a staff member ask me one day. She said, "Do you work out? You know, every day?" And I was like, "Yeah, I work out however many times a week." And she said, "You should just drink hot water. Drinking hot water is like working out." So (laughs) okay, but you can't. You can't. You can't base that a couple conversations like that on the whole Eastern philosophy of China. I know I did not say the entire Eastern philosophy, but I did say with a grain of salt that there are some things that they are just so backwards on. And I, I like even just some of the things that we know from what we've learned in Western medicine, you know, that they are thousands of years behind on. Like they invented some things thousands of years ago and then never progressed any further. And this is why it's so great to have multiple options so that you can take the best from all the different options available to you and find out what works for you. And I think like, you know, also, uh, I mean, you can look at yoga. I look at yoga and it makes me laugh sometimes at how, you know, westernized, the westernized yoga philosophy has completely moved away from what yoga actually is you know until more like for instance you know well i mean what's what's being presented to us through the yoga industry is so much more based in ego than it is in the actual practice of what it is when you when you when you learn yoga you learn that the asana which is the pose is 10 percent of yoga but when you look at the industry all you ever see are people in poses and mm-hmm. doing this pose and that pose. But there's so much more to the practice that you get benefits from and that actually is where you make the big uh, spurts of growth and leaps. That it's You know, not- I was thinking about that while you were describing your connection with yoga. And I, and I almost said this at the time, but it's so, it's, it's so interesting that it's kind of come back to and it's given me this opportunity to mention it. When I've practiced yoga, it had nothing to do with any sort of spirituality. It was strictly about this poses. body benefit, and it really helped me. It completely changed my life. There was never one iota of But you did spirituality. yoga mainly in China? I did yoga mainly in China, but there was never one bit of inward reflection for me. So that's so fascinating to, to, to hear you say that. Yeah. And you know what? And there's people who just want to do yoga for the physical aspect and that's totally fine. Like there's nothing wrong with it, but when there's so much more to it that you could have available to you, uh, the benefits way go way beyond the physical, way beyond the physical. Like for me, yoga just completely opened my mind like through the expansion of my body, I was able to expand my mind. And that just started helping me to explore how I was living my life and how I was living small and contracted in everything that I was doing. Through my yoga practice, that's what I was able to discover. That, you know, I was limiting all of my movements in life because I believed I had a completely inflexible body. And so my body just couldn't do stuff. And so I just wouldn't even try other things. I wouldn't allow myself to have certain experiences. And that translated through my mental um my mental mind you know like i just how i live my life was very inflexible uh was very small and so through my yoga practice i was able to start really taking a deeper dive into who i am who i want to be in this world how i want to live my life 
what I want my life to be. And to me, that goes way beyond the physical benefits because I've been able to now shape my life in a way that brings me so much joy. And that is something that is highly valuable beyond stretching, (laughs) you know? So. Absolutely. I haven't tried yoga out. I keep hearing about it. I keep hearing about, especially like hot yoga and how great it is. Like not, not even talking about the spirituality, but just like what Brian said. And I'm kind of willing to do it. I just, it's just okay. Like, let me, let me tell you my yoga story because <laughs> it's kind of surprising because when I say I practice yoga, you're going to think, Oh, I, you know, I did this for years in yoga. My ex-wife, she did yoga every day and always yoga, this yoga, that. And I never, I never tried it, but I've had a bad back for a long time, a very similar to what Lisa has, has gone through. I've, I've experienced it every morning for the better part of a decade. I would wake up kind of hobbled over. I couldn't straighten up all the way. And I kind of, you know, walked sideways and clunking sounds and I would take a hot shower and then I'd straighten up and go about my day. Um, and a friend of mine was just really getting into, yoga and she just kept saying you know try try yoga come come to the studio with me and it was during a a really slow period and she was going like every day of the week three classes a day kind of stuff so i went for two solid weeks four days a week but like two or three classes a day and was just like kicking my butts my body's ass with, you know, doing this, doing this really intensive yoga. I didn't start out just like dabbling and I went like into these difficult classes, standing on your head and all this kind of stuff. And after about two or three weeks of doing that, I woke up when I, when I woke up in the morning, nothing. Like I got up straight as an arrow, didn't even hurt when it went about my day and then, then I stopped doing yoga because and now you hobble in the I, morning again. I do not hobble in the morning. That no. is a lie. Um, I literally only did it hardcore for two or three weeks. And that was, I'm going to say three or four years ago. And it, and it fixed my back that very short intensive period. It wasn't a daily or weekly practice that I owe it to. I do owe it to, to yoga. I'm convinced of that, but it was a very short period of time, but very intensive. Yeah, I just don't have anything really that ails me to get me into the yoga studio quite yet, knock on wood. No, I think, you know, first of all, yoga is not for everyone. You know, I think whatever resonates with you or wherever you feel like a pull towards. I will say, though, from my experience, I detested yoga. I The thought of yoga, like I just couldn't. Like, every time someone recommended it to me, I wanted to roll my eyes and just I couldn't think of anything worse. But that was because I had my own insecurities about my body. I don't know if that's a reason for you. I don't think it is. So, but I will say this, Michael, that just teaching yourself how to make the mind and body connection through the breath, because I know you enjoy the breath work, that that might be of something beneficial to you. I agree. I'm going to give it a try. I'll I'll try to give it a try. Um... Brian's going to give it another try. Well, you know what's interesting, Michael, is you said you don't have anything that ails you, but we're talking about it's it's more than the body. Maybe you'll get more spiritual 
benefit yeah I, and i could understand that too but that, that's what that's what meditation was for too and i never really got too much joy out of med- trying to meditate myself this past year um well, think about all the women in the tight yoga pants then <laughs> I live in an area where the average age is 60 years old, so I'm not expecting... <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would not want to see. a great show there. <laughs> That's not a great show. I actually... But going back on a different... Something that we talked about earlier, I know I personally, this past year, have dove deep into my internal health uh, and really cleaning up the food that I, I consume and, and it personally has changed my internal system to be my internal mood to be generally very happy or maybe not very happy is a key word, but very positive. And I really feel like, and I've, and I've, I've helped some of my friends that are struggling with depression and other things like, Hey, why don't you try this? Change your diet, you know, avoid these things. And the main thing that I, that I, I find as a culprit is sugar, sugar-based foods. You know, we they sneak sugar in it, anything and everything nowadays. And it's like avoid these things and just see what happens after a few few weeks, even a couple of months. And it's just a, it's amazing to see them them change too into a completely different great personality that they used to be. So this has a lot more to do. Again, the the food tablet system that we have out there, and. Like the the quick, easy food and and fast food and all that stuff, it's not just about body fat. It's not just about the way you look. It has it is completely connected to the way you feel about life and yourself. So if we're gonna go back to like you know positive vibrations and and versus negative vibrations or or you know increasing that, I really think it's a key part of increasing your potential spirituality if you want to look at it that way. Well, food holds vibration, you know, so everything that you ingest is going to have an impact on your own vibration. So, right. I mean, the, but the way well, I looked at what the way, way I looked at your guys' thoughts on vibration, I just translate that in my mind as positive, like you're, you're feeling positive. If, you know, raise my vibes is also saying increase my positivity, increase my, um, you know, I don't know, lack of better words, just becoming more happier with yourself. And so if you can sit there and say, yeah, these foods have a certain vibrational rate that will raise your vibration rate. I just think being healthy on the inside raises your vibrational rate or, you know, helps you become super positive. No, it does. But there are specific foods that will even take it a step further. So what if you're someone who's already feeling healthy on the inside and, but you kind of want to go to the next level. Well, there's other ways that you can uh, change your diet to do that, you know, just to, and then that was actually a choice I personally made. You know, that's why I went vegetarian. Well, it's one of the reasons. There were two reasons. Uh, you know, the first one was that I wanted to align myself with the law of one uh, and that all life matters. But the other one was that I knew that it would likely increase my frequency and allow me to have deeper connections with my meditations, which it did. I had a huge like jump in my uh, meditation experience from doing that. Hmm. And I had actually, <laughs> yeah, but you know, that, that was just like a side bonus. But to be honest, there was, 
I had people who, you know, we, we have a lot of friends who are very tuned into energy and, and who are either Reiki masters or psychics or able to even see your energy, your aura and all of that. And one of the things that was said to me a lot after I went vegetarian was how high my frequency was around them. Like one mm-hmm. of my friends, like our friend Michael, who was on our show, um, you know, back in, uh, I think it was December, November, December. Um, he, you know, when I visited in him, he just, he, he couldn't even stand there. He's like, my head feels like it's going to explode near you. Like, he's just, I feel like I'm about to go into trance. And he was like, what are you doing? And, I, and I'm just like, I'm, I'm, I'm vegetarian now. And I just, you know, my meditation practice has increased. And, you know, your energy field becomes a lot stronger. And so there is something to it, you know, there are certain things that you can do. And that's just one option. You know, there are so many other things that you can do. And so whatever works for you and falls in alignment with what, what resonates with you is, are, are your options to choose from. But that's something that I think is something people can consider if they're really interested in raising their vibration and deepening the connection that they have to the spiritual realms. All tied together. Yeah. Health, wellness, spirituality. I just, I just, you know, I just, I think I come closest to God when I'm eating a piece of bacon. I, I, I just have to. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> this is my thought. <laughs> you skeptic. From you. a pig that I'm sure died of natural peaceful causes, of course. Yeah, it's called a bolt gun. <laughs> Crickets on the Nicole side on this one. No, I'm laughing silently. <laughs> and look how they push bacon. You see things about bacon everywhere. I don't need me to. Why wouldn't you? Bacon. Bacon, bacon, bacon. And this, you're even dogs this, love bacon. You're hearing this from the woman that every time I eat bacon, she says, "I'm gonna need some of that bacon." I just take one little <laughs> bite. Smells good. All right, everyone, thanks for joining the conversation today. We love to hear from you. So please send in any ideas or topics that you would like us to discuss to our email info at enlightenup.us. And if you need any more information about us, you can head on over to our website, enlightenup.us. And we will be back next time for another show. Great chatting with you all. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Love you.